Welcome to Mindset Reset Radio. I'm your host, Jess, and I'm on a mission to help female entrepreneurs like you get intentional in life and business. So if you're feeling stuck, you're looking for inspiration, or you just want to be reminded that you're not alone on this crazy entrepreneurial journey, you've landed in the right place. You can join our community of intention getters on Instagram at Jessica Thiefels, that's me, and you can learn more about how I can support you in business and mindset at jessicathiefels.com. Finally, if you love what you hear, please don't forget to rate and review the podcast. I'll be forever grateful. Now, sit back, grab a journal, and get ready to start living with intention. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Mindset Reset Radio. Today, we are here with Christine Carlson, who is the co-author of the New York Times bestselling series, Don't Sweat the Small Stuff, with her late husband, Dr. Richard Carlson. She's also featured as the subject of a biopic Lifetime movie based on her book, Heartbroken Open, a true story of coming alive again after profound loss. She's also an entrepreneur and an amazing source and wealth of information and knowledge. Welcome, Christine. I'm so excited to have you here. Hi, Jessica. Thank you so much for having me on. It's a joy to be here. Yes, absolutely. And before we jump into this awesome conversation, tell us a little bit more about who you are and what you do. Well, um, as you said, I'm most known for my work with my late husband in the Don't Sweat the Small Stuff book series. But since his um, rather untimely uh, early death in 2006, I have um, I was kind of forced in my own way to take the reins of the brand um, and then develop over the years, um, develop my own messaging, my own brands. Um, right now, to date, I spend most of my time leading women's retreats, um, helping other people write their books um, with a different company named Book Doulas and um, just really focused on on the ways I can serve um, in the personal development field and also other entrepreneurs and coaching and so forth. Awesome. So I, I really liked um, this topic. And initially when we were talking before recording, um, we were talking about being the hero of our own, own lives. And you were saying that you do a lot of work in the space, you know, after loss and working through loss and grief. And um, I initially wanted to talk about this more generally, but just now I'm deciding I want to dig more into this idea um, around loss because my mom also, um, her husband passed um, in October of 2020, completely suddenly and unexpectedly um, in his mid fifties. And just one day he was gone when he was riding his bike through the woods. And um, it's been an awful loss for our family. And I, I also know of some other people close to me who have experienced you know, extreme loss in this way. And so I want to talk about this idea of being the hero in our own lives after loss. I think it's a really powerful way of, I would imagine moving through what is an incredibly difficult time. So um, maybe tell me a little bit about how you came upon this in your own, you know, grief and loss journey. Yeah. So first of all, you know, my condolences to you and your family and, and your mom, you know, I consider every woman who goes through that um, kind of loss as a widow, 
a soul sister of mine, Mm. especially the ones that do it in their forties and fifties when it's not really anticipated. You know, my husband died when I was 43 and he was 45 and it's been a long time now. It's been 16 years and, um, it's just, you know, it's, it's a remarkable healing journey. That's what I call it. It's, it's like you, you kind of do this life and you're in life and you, you feel like everything's humming along and then bam, you know, somebody close to you dies and it pretty much shatters everything as you knew it, as you know, it, it changes the landscape of your life um, in a way that puts people on very uncharted territory if they haven't been through profound loss. And I was the same way. Um, I noticed really early on in my own healing journey that I could see my life in two different ways. I had two daughters in high school at the time. Um, I really got up every day initially for them because I knew that this was as profound for them as it was for me. And I think there's only one thing worse than going through something yourself. And that's watching the people closest to you Mm -hmm. go through it and your kids, you know, we always want to protect our kids from those things that are going to disrupt and cause trauma to them, especially in their childhoods. And I felt like my daughters at 14 and 17, their, their youth ended Mm-hmm. Um, when my husband died and, um, and he died very suddenly as well. He had a pulmonary embolism while on a flight to New York on the descent of that flight, he died. And mm-hmm. so I, I was like your mom, I was just, you know, I, I kind of was just going along and I got a phone call and that was, that was it. And so the, the pivot turn really toward healing happens. And it happened for me when I realized that, kind of the culmination of all my spiritual development and my personal development came to, came to me as a rescue, you know, all my toolkit came to me as a rescue aid in a way. I I said, wow, you know, um, this is the most horrible thing I could ever imagine happening, except that maybe losing one of my children would have been one step more horrible, you Mm. know? So I was like, this is not something I can fight. This is not something I can change. Um, I have to surrender to this and what this is and what this means for my life. And the one thing that I really hated from the beginning of loss was when people pitied me. Mm. Um, I I felt this real sense of like, um, don't pity me for having a human life. You know, this, this sense of this is the first horrible thing that's ever happened to me in my life, really. And, and I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to own this and live it as, as anyone needs to, because I've had an incredibly blessed life. And these were the kinds of conversations, the kind of mindset that I had going through loss was having these kinds of talks with myself, you know, that I didn't want to be pitied. I wanted to honor Richard and I really wanted to, um, make this count for something. You know, I, I kind of looked back on my life and I said, wow, I married this amazing man. I mean, they're really truly amazing man. We did amazing things in our life together. Um, he wrote a book that changed millions. I mean, a hundred million people's lives around the globe. It, and that's incredible. And I thought I can't just crumble. So the pivot term for me was in saying, 
I need to stand in this. And later, looking back 10 years, when I wrote a book called From Heartbreak to Wholeness, The Hero's Journey to Joy, I realized what I had done was really chosen the hero's path um, very closely according to the mythical work that Joseph Campbell brought forward in his hero's journey. Uh, and so I, I use that very loosely in my book, From Heartbreak to Wholeness, as a path to healing. And I said, well, what if somebody followed this path of, you know, that I followed, would they heal? And I already knew that they would because I'd written a book on my journey and many widows, many, many hundreds and thousands of widows over the years told me that this book became their healing path. So I already knew it worked. But what if I really told people and I said, no matter what kind of identity crisis you're going through, whether you've been working for a company for 40 years and you suddenly get canned. And, and you suddenly have to do a pivot turn from that, or you're healthy, you're walking along healthy, and you go to the doctor and you're, you're told you're not healthy any longer. These are the kinds of losses that people go through that are, are huge in their identity. They go through an identity crisis mm -hmm. and their lives change um, immeasurably. Um, and that is the mark of the hero's path. When life is shattered, your perfect life is shattered, and you're sent on an entirely new trajectory. How do you handle that? How do you navigate that journey? And the first step is really in just understanding and accepting the fact that this is something that you can't change. And you have to change it. Go back to the serenity part. We change what we can. We accept what we cannot change. And we ask God or the higher power of the universe for the wisdom to know the difference. And that's what brings us serenity. It's also what brings grace. So I just began to walk that path. And I, I realized after 10 years, I had walked that path. And, and I really realized that the pivot turn is saying, I'm not going to be a victim of my circumstances. And I'm going to stand in them. And I'm going to allow myself to feel I'm going to allow myself to heal. And I'm going to grow past this. And I'm going to open to the possibility that a new dream will emerge and that I will choose joy again and to see happiness and joy um, and the path to wholeness as a choice. Yeah, absolutely. Um, an extremely difficult choice. I, I know in a conversation um, my mom and I were having and someone had said to her, someone had said in a group that she was part of, it's not moving on, it's moving forward. And I feel like that was, that I know was really pivotal for her in hearing that and sort of reframing this idea that we have a choice to move forward, but that doesn't mean you're moving on. I think that's why a lot of people in these moments of loss don't want to move forward because it feels like you're leaving something behind, but we can choose to move forward on this hero's journey, which I want to talk about and bring them with us, you know, and, and choose the path, but it doesn't have to mean whatever that is that's behind us is gone forever, I guess. Yeah, I feel like that probably came from me in the last 15 <laughs> years. I'm not kidding you. Like that's something that I have said over and over mm -hmm. again in thousands of places over the years is I've always said that, that we don't move on, we move forward and we carry them with us. And that's exactly um, what I focus on teaching people and women, especially widows, that it's up to us to continue that relationship and to mm -hmm. transcend the boundaries of physicality to do that. And women can do that. You know, women are feminine. Women are intuitive. 
um, women can open their hearts and their minds to um, a whole new possibility. And honestly, if I wasn't able to do that, I do not believe that I would be the woman I am today because I couldn't have survived the loss of my beloved. Um, Mm -hmm. He was everything to me. And I couldn't have survived if I didn't have that understanding that life is a continuation and that we must continue the relationship in a different way. And my husband's been very present and very Mm -hmm. present in my thoughts and my actions and my dreams and everything for, for years and years and years now. So it's, it's helped me a lot. It's also helped me deepen my um, connection to spirit and, you know, and, and my heart connection um, to others, my level of compassion. And I'm hoping that most people who go through, you know, loss and as they heal, they start to realize that it, it really has the capacity to, you know, expand your heart and expand your awareness um, in all these different realms. Yeah, absolutely. So you mentioned sort of step one of this, of what I believe you're referring to is of the hero's journey is um, accepting what you cannot change and, and changing what you can. So walk us through, because I'm curious, walk us through the steps of the hero's journey. So what comes next for people who are moving through loss and grief right now? Well, I mean, first, what I would love for people to understand is that they really do have to prepare in a way for their journey and their healing. And in the sense of, in our culture, we're told to busy our way through, just stay busy, you know, and, mm-hmm. and I really tell people, no, don't, don't get too busy because you need to grieve. Um, it's really a grieving journey too. It's, it's embracing grief. It's surrender. It's surrender to um, feeling the feelings that come so that you can empty that grief out so that you can heart open to what is and, and come to a place of acceptance. But in order to do that, we have to um, allow those emotions to emote and to come out of us, come out of our bodies. Um, that's what healing is, is, is acknowledging, um, allowing yourself to um, go into those tears if they're present. And, you know, grief isn't all tears. I mean, grief is a lot of expression. Grief can be mm-hmm. anger. Grief can be um, movement. Grief can be laughter. Grief can be a lot of things. And But really just make space. That's the first step. Make space for your healing. Make space to transform and grieve. And then, um, you know, walking the path is about feeling those feelings, healing, um, trusting that you are going to heal. And then allowing yourself to open to a new experience. You know, ultimately Mm -hmm. we are birthing a new life as we go through grief and in whether or not you're going through the loss of a loved one or through divorce, death, um, you know, any kind of loss, you're still grieving the lost dream, you know, and that's really what you're grieving is that is that you have to reconcile where you are versus where you thought you were going to go. And, and then you have to say, you know, no to regret of the past, you know, move past regret and, you know, live very presently. Um, this is like kind of the, you know, the solution to a lot of deep pain is to be very present. 
How long has your mom um, been in grief now? How long have you been in grief? Um, he passed October 31st of 2020. So a year okay. and a half. Year and a half. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I often find the second year is harder than the yeah. first year because the first year is full of shock and dismay and just sort of like you're in a washing machine. Second year, the reality of what's happened is starting to set in. And that's oftentimes when you see people, they're, they're not, it, it, they're, it's harder for them in the second year because the reality is they're faced with, okay, I've been a whole year. I know now, I know he's not coming back. He's not going right. to arrive in the door any longer. He's, he's definitely not coming back and in body. So now we have to, you know, we have to get into like, wow, this is real. Mm-hmm. And, um, and yeah, and, and it's really just about opening up to the process of healing, whatever that is for you. Um, looking for support along the way, you know, looking for that group of people that you can relate to reading those books, doing your personal development work. Um, this is a very fertile time for people to grow. You know, you, (laughs) I don't know about your mom, but when I lost my husband at 43, it was like when he died, it almost dropped me back to the woman I was before I met him, which Mm. was you know, 18 years old. Hmm. And, and, and I had to like, and I grew quickly into my 40 something year old woman again, but I, I almost had to deal with a lot of the latent insecurities that popped Mm -hmm. up about who I was as a woman without him. Right. And, you know, things that are masked by a relationship over a lifetime, you know, there's, is very, there's very complex, the, the different processes and awarenesses that you go through over the loss of somebody very close to you, mm-hmm. especially the the partnership relationship, because as partners, you know, you've deferred these different things to each other, whether it even be the physical household chores, paying the bills, taking out the garbage, you know, all those, those things that your husband does versus what you do on a daily basis, just to make that partnership Mm-hmm. you know, non-conflict oriented. Yeah. <laughs> like when everybody knows what the plan is, the plan is the plan, right? And then suddenly, you know, you're doing everything as the widow or widower. You're suddenly in charge of everything and it's overwhelming. So part of it is just starting to create new a new system for yourself, something that works and and not forgetting to ask for the support of the people around you. Because isolation is a is a really dangerous place and mm-hmm. especially in grief. And it's easy to get isolated because you do feel very alone in the process because even your loss is different than your mother's loss. Yeah. It's, it's a loss, but it's not as intense as what she's going through. Mm-hmm. It can't be. And so, you know, you, you know, it's just like, there's these places at which you really have to honor this time period of what you're going through and it can last a really long time. You know, it's, it's, um, it's just different for each individual. You know, I, I saw different time periods in my grieving process where I felt stronger. And certainly after like, you know, two and a half, three years, I really started to get into my, you know, onto my journey. Um, I began to date again and, you know, do all those kinds of things that, you know, you, you kind of have to do when you're in your forties you know, now I'm almost 60. So I'm like, I probably wouldn't really feel like I needed to do that. (laughs) But when you're in your forties, it's a different ball game. You know, you're, Mm -hmm. you're a different woman. So, um, 
But walking the hero's path really means that every day you get up out of bed and you choose to live and you give yourself permission to live. And eventually you reach a point where um, I'm hoping that when women and men read my book from heartbreak to wholeness, they realize that the true love affair that you have to have is with your own life, Mm -hmm. that you have to start to realize all the ways that you love life because choosing life is choosing joy and you have every right to continue to live. And this is the rest of your life. And it's going to be very short. You know, if anything that we learn from people who leave this planet early is how quickly it happens and how quick life really is. You don't really have time to waste. You know, it's, it's, and, and I'm not saying like having downtime is wasting time. Like I love, I can take a week off easily from my life and just, you know, do whatever I want to do and just call it downtime. And I don't consider that a waste. Um, But I mean, just in the terms of like, thinking that life is going to go on forever. It doesn't, you know, and and I think the more we realize that and the more that's the great gift that, you know, the people that leave early show us is, is that it doesn't go on forever. There's a finite time period and it can end at any time. So, you know, if you want to live a great life, you have to live a great life almost every day, you know, by choosing that for yourself. Yeah. And I think something important that you mentioned there is, you know, defining what does it mean to live a great life for you, you know, continuing like such a big thing. And, you know, that we talk about a lot on the podcast is like deciding what life, what you want life to look like, and then choosing to make that happen for you. And yep. I think that's a, sounds like this is a big piece of, of this journey. Absolutely. And I think, you know, that's the, the critical piece of that is the, the choice, you know, mm-hmm. that you have the choice and, and I think that's that's also choosing the hero's path, isn't it? That we realize that choice is our power. It, we don't get to choose what happens, but we get to choose how we move forward in mm-hmm. what happens. And that's where the power is. That's where the self-empowerment is. And when we give that up, then we're in the dumps. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and and that, you know, and that's okay. Sometimes we're in that, we have those days. You know, I, I don't ever totally. want to say like, I never want somebody to feel ashamed that they might feel victimized because you can Mm -hmm. always, you go back and forth and, and there are days where everyone feels that way. So Mm -hmm. you're allowed to have your pity party, but I just don't ever want people to think that the pity party is where to live. You know, the pity party is a place to visit and jump out of as quickly as possible. Right. Yeah. Be in (laughs) the pity party. For a short period. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. And sometimes we have to go there to feel the feelings and, be in that awful space and say, I don't want to have a different life. I want the life that I had. And then come back to say, well, that's not going to happen. So, you know, how can I create this one life that I do have as amazing as possible? Yeah. I think when somebody really becomes grateful for their um, relationship can return to gratitude, that's Mm -hmm. a great sign of healing. You know, I, for a long time, I was not grateful for having such a great love because it hurt too bad. It yeah. hurt too bad to be missing and longing for him. And, mm-hmm. and it took years. And then finally, I think about nine or 10 years later, I finally was like, Oh my God, I'm so grateful. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and I'm not saying it should take everyone nine or 10 years, but they do say that widows who were really in love with their spouses, they, it, it tends to take about 10 to 15 years of healing 
Mm. Um, so it's a long journey home. And that doesn't mean you're alone or you're not living your life. You are, but it takes a very long time to reconcile and to really, really embrace life again. And, you know, I'm definitely there now after mm-hmm. 16 years. <laughs> And, and, you know, and it's been an amazing journey. I mean, all of it. So it's, it's just, I, you know, but it, it took me a long time to be able to say that. Yeah. What, what would you say to listeners who are just like absolutely daunted by the idea that it could take them 10 years, 15 years to start feeling that way again, in terms of choosing life, in terms of choosing to move forward? Well, I, I would say that it doesn't take 10 or 15 years to choose life. You choose that yeah. right away. You know, it, it might take 10 or 15 years before you feel really, really whole again. Mm. Where you feel like you're not grieving anymore. You know, when there, I think that one of the reasons why people say there's a lot of people that out in the grief world that say that the grief never ends, but mm. I'm not one of them because I do believe that grief does end grief doesn't stay forever. I am no longer in grief. Mm. I'm no longer in grief. That does not mean that I'm not sad. Sometimes that my husband isn't here presently. There are moments where I still feel deep sadness that he's not here, but deep sadness is not grief. It's just sadness. There are times I feel sad about other things too, Mm -hmm. you know? So it's, it's just sadness. And so I think that grief comes for a period of time to heal you. Um, one of the things I talk about in my early book, um, Heartbroken Open, is that grief is not the enemy. Grief is the friend. And mm-hmm. that when you can embrace grief, it kind of it, it helps because then you're not resisting it. And what we resist persists. And so if you resist grief, then you're going to make it last a lot longer but if you can embrace it into your world and into your life, it'll go away. It'll have a, an end point and, and it will have done its work for you because grief is an emotional response to loss. Right. Yeah. Well, this has been a really wonderful conversation. I'm of course thinking about my mom, with everything that you're saying, and I'm hoping that she finds this supportive and a, f- a few other people who everyone who's listening, but also a few other people that are close to me who I know um, have experienced some pretty um, awful loss in the last few years. Um, well, they'll just as- send a couple of books to you for your mom. So that would be, be amazing. Sure to, yeah. Send me her, um, her name and address and, or yours and I'll, I'll um, pop them in the mail to you. I will. Yeah. Mom, I know she's listening to this, so you got <laughs> some books coming your way. <laughs> Um, but before we wrap up, I want you to, um, share with us a little gem. If there was one thing that listeners walk away with and they walk away with nothing but this, what would that be? You know, it's something that my husband, my late husband used to say a lot. Well, there's two things. Um, one is that he used to say a lot that the circumstances of life don't make or break us, but they reveal us. Mm. And I think that if we allow ourselves to really take that in, then it's the hard things in life that we show up in and how we show up that this is who we are. You know, it breaks us down, but we have the um, opportunity to emerge as the hero of our own journey. And the last thing that I love that he said to me just three weeks before he died was, 
that what he loved about the human spirit was that there are people in this world that take their greatest tragedy and they allow it to move them forward in life so that their life has greater meaning than they might have otherwise had. Mm. And that was very powerful for me. And I hope that's very powerful for whoever is listening today, that tragedy and trauma befall all of us at different times in our lives. But we do have that power. Our human spirit wants to grow from it, wants to take that tragedy and morph it into something more powerful for our lives. And oftentimes, our um, purpose, the purpose of our lives can come out of tragedy. And it certainly happened for me. And I hope that it happens for whoever's listening to, and that it gives you hope, hope and faith during a time that can be very dark and much love to you if you're going through loss right now, because it's hard. It's hard. It's hard to pick up the pieces of your life and and move forward. And I think it's hard to know that their purpose can come from this, you know, that meaning can come from this, but I think, you know, knowing that it might not be there yet, but if you just continue to move forward, if you continue to do the work that I think you'll probably see that meaning or that purpose eventually. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, let's switch gears and um, tell us what you're getting intentional about right now. Wow. Well, let's see. I've been doing a lot of retreats um, Hmm. after COVID and I'm, working right now on, I've got a big speech coming up, um, probably the biggest paid speech I've ever had. So I'm, I'm, I've been in a real kind of like almost a mercury, mercury retrograde funk. I haven't been able mm-hmm. to get my head wrapped around it. So I'm intentionally, <laughs> intentionally yeah. getting my head wrapped around that speech and just uh-huh. you know giving myself some downtime, rest time. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that's the other thing is um, we can tend to just keep moving on from one thing to the next, especially as entrepreneurs. And I've, um, I've learned that when I feel like this sense of like, oh, I just don't feel like doing it, then don't, you know, that sometimes not doing is doing and that's okay. Yep. Could not possibly agree more. And where can listeners connect with you outside of the podcast? Yeah. So you can go, I have two, well, three websites, but um, christinecarlson.com. Um, if you want to write a book, go to bookdoulas.com and then there's don'tsweat.com. So you can see me on all three of those sites. Awesome. Well, thank you so, so much for everything you shared here today. It's been really powerful and really beautiful. Thank you, Jessica. And much love to your mom. And I will get those books off to you. Awesome. Thank you. And thank you listeners for tuning in. We will catch you on another episode of Mindset Reset Radio.